right, good morning, everybody. Um, I was told yesterday to leave early so that I would uh, have time to repent when I got to church for all the leaf lookers. It wasn't bad, was it, on the way up here? I, I don't even think I let a word slip or nothing. It's, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, but it's just been a good week. Uh, sounds like Nat killed more bear than the rest of us put together did. <laughs> oh, how many did you get? Wow, we got zero. We'll start hunting with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody prayed a little harder than the rest of us, didn't he? <laughs> Somebody's got a little more favor today. Well, um, it's been a been a really pretty week. I know uh, we got a few prayer requests uh, that I want to mention, and I forgot to bring them with me. I wrote them down, but you had put a couple on the Facebook page, and I left them on my sticky note. Oh, wow. All right, so we got two there with some cardiac issues. Anybody else? Louise well, doing all right? Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. Louise doing all right? Mean or never? All right. Okay. Anybody else? We're good. All right, let's just go ahead and open up and pray this morning before I forget all these. Uh, Father, this morning as uh, we've been so blessed to be able to come into your house, Lord, and be with your people, uh, Lord, as we've heard these requests, Lord, you knew them before we ever mentioned them, but Father, as we, we look at these two individuals going in um, for cardiac issues, Lord, uh, you know our hearts, both physically and spiritually, and Lord, I pray today that you would be with them, uh, God, that you'd be with those doctors, you'd be with those nurses, the staff there at those hospitals as they go in for these procedures. Lord, as they try to figure out what would be best for these two men, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just clear their minds, clear their, their vision, Lord, so that they would uh, do whatever would be best suited for their, their physical hearts, Lord, and I pray that uh, you would be given the glory and the honor, uh, Lord, you'd be given praise for whatever happens there in those hospitals over the next few days. Uh, Lord, for uh, this Alice, Lord, for, with uh, pancreatic cancer, God, I pray that you would be with them. Uh, Lord, what a struggle this will be, Father, that uh, anyone with cancer... God, it's, uh, it is a struggle not just for the family, or not just for the individual, but with the family as well. Lord, as they, they watch them suffer and they're unable to do much to help them, but God, I pray that you would give them peace and you give them guidance, Lord, you give them encouragement, Lord, and that knowing that you are in charge, Lord, and, and you can heal. You can, I, Lord, we've seen you do so, so many miracles up here, Lord, and I pray that that would be just another one on your list here, Lord, that you would just uh, take away the pain, Lord, and just take away this cancer if it be thy will, Lord, and for Ellen. As well with that struggle at home, uh, Lord, uh, only you can fix that. Lord, I pray that that situation is in your hands that's been given to you completely. And Lord, they would just let you do what you do best, Lord. And that would be fix men and, and heal whatever's going on in that home and in that relationship. Lord, we thank you again for this Sunday morning that you've given us. Lord, I pray that uh, we honor you and all that's said and done here in the sanctuary today. And Lord, we just praise you for whatever takes place. All in your son's name we pray. All right, we're going to be over in Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 4, verse 28, for a little bit this morning, and uh, we're going to look at one little word that can destroy us all, and that's pride. Pride. I don't know if anybody had the opportunity to go over into to Proverbs and read the, that chapter I told you all about Friday night. It's a good chapter. 
Get in there and read it sometime. And it don't take long. I, I read it in just a few minutes, so I know it won't take long for the rest of y'all to read it. But it's encouraging. It, this, there's so much there because there's so much that the rest of us that we go in, go through life, uh, when we feel like we've done something wrong, done something bad, but then you look at, you read this, the scripture and it says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There's, it's com- good is coming. Don't worry about it. Just Anyway, just read that sometime. That's not where we're going to be today. Uh, we're going to be over in Daniel, actually. So um, I got a, a couple little stories I want to read along the way or tell you along the way. And this <clears throat> first one I've, I've told here, I think I've told it here. It's been a while if I have, but I, I'll tell it again because I, I like it. And it does have to do with pride. And we all know that, that lions are, you know, like the, the king of the jungle. They're, they're, they're king. And so this lion was going around, and he wanted to tell everybody uh, just how great he was. And he wanted to hear it himself. He wanted to hear people say just how great uh, a lion, how great a king that he, he is or was. And so he's going through the woods, and, and he, he comes up on this tiger, and he says, Hey, tiger, he said, who is the, the, um, who is the king of the jungle? And that tiger said, well, you are a lion. He said, I know. And he took off down through the woods a little bit more, and he came across a bear, and he said, bear, who is the king of the jungle? And that bear said, well, you are a lion. You're the king of the jungle. So lion went on down the road a little bit more, and he found an elephant. And he said, elephant, who is the king of the jungle? And that elephant grabbed him up by the trunk and swung him around and beat him across the tree and across the ground, dunked him in the water, Flung him up against a tree and started to walk off. Well, the lion stood up, and he's trying to shake it off. And he says, hey, just because you don't know the answer don't mean you have to be so mean. That's pride. That's pride. <laughs> we're, we're a lot like that, aren't we? We think we are the man. We think that we are the stuff. You know, we just think we're the best of the best, and we walk around, and, and we treat people the same way that line was treating those those people but we, we can't be like that some people are just so full of pride that they don't know what to to do with themselves i'm trying out a new tablet and it's about to drive me up the wall um so this morning we're going to be looking at nebuchadnezzar's um pride and from this story we're going to realize and and some of y'all may uh, a little light bulb may come on and say oh law that's me I hope not, but if nothing else, maybe it'll open up some eyes. But we tend to get uh, a lot like Nebuchadnezzar does did, and we 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 think we're full of ourselves. We feel like we're full of ourselves, and we go around uh, flaunting ourselves, thinking that we are best of the best. And we're going to read here in just a minute about about this man and and a dream, another dream that uh, was interpreted. But Nebuchadnezzar was uh, a lot like. Um, you guys ever been told the difference between a cat and a dog? I mean, y'all know my opinion on a cat. We won't talk about that again today. I think I made that pretty clear a few weeks ago. When a master pets a dog, the dog wags its little tail, pants its little tongue, and he says, he must be God. But when you pet a cat, They might close their eye and purr a little bit, but in their mind they say, I must be God. That's the difference between a cat and a dog. Cats think highly of themselves. Lord Jonathan, I hope you brought biscuits with you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Jesus 
through grace, I want you to listen to this, through grace, he reached down to us, and there is, is still, he reached down to us. He came down, he left the comforts of heaven to come down here with us, to be here with us, to walk on this sinful earth in this world where we, where we just messed it all up. But he came down, he left heaven to come down and be with us in all his grace and all his glory and all his heavenliness he came down to be with us and we still are stubborn as a cat we still feel like we are the cat we look at ourselves as gods little g gods that's the way we look at ourselves why is it that he can't grab us by the hand pick us up brush us off why can't we wag our tails and say he is god he is God. He is the one that is sustaining us. He is the one that has just saved me. Why can't we look at him like a dog looks at the master? Opie, Paisley's little dog, Opie. I love that little dog to death. I just bought it some clothes the other day. I like that little dog. That's our little, that's our little German taco. Love that dog. I like to pet him. I like to get him excited except for when he pees on the floor irritates me to no end. I pet, reach down just to pet him, and it's just psh, all over the floor, everywhere. And I think of that dog, and he, just, he loves it. He loves me more now because I killed him two squirrels last night and let him play with them. But, I, you know, I look at that, and, and you think about how a dog looks at its master and how much the dog loves its master. Well, I hate to compare us to dogs. Don't, I'm not doing that right now. But I'm thinking about the love that those animals have towards their master and how much we should be loving God for how he provides for us. Because, you know, an, an animal, they're domesticated now, so they can't take care of themselves. These dogs depend on us to feed them and keep them going. Well, we depend on God to keep us going. It is God that provides for us. It's God that's given us the ability to work. It's God that's given us the ability to grow. I mean, Nat's a prime example. God has truly blessed Nat with a, a green thumb. And, and, you know, and so he can provide not just for him and his family, but for others as well. He does that for all of us. And we need to treat him uh, with a little bit more respect than we do and thank him more than we do. But we're too prideful. we got too much pride in us because it's all about me. Even our churches have become the me church. It ain't about him, it's about me. It's what we can do, it's what I can do. And that's not what he wants. He said, get rid of your pride and give me the glory. Get rid of your pride and realize that it's me that's doing the work inside your church. Not you, it's me, it's him that's doing all the work. But yet we are so full of pride that we cannot seem to re let it go, release it, and, and, and give him the praise for it. So I'm going to catch you up real quick so we can get through uh, the remainder of this chapter right here. And we're going to see what pride is. Nebuchadnezzar is dreaming again. I don't know what the man eats before he goes to bed, but he's got some crazy dreams. And so here we have uh, Daniel, and he's, he's going to interpret this dream again. And, and I'll try to paraphrase all this for you real fast. Um, in this dream, he's got, uh, he's, he sees this tree being cut down, and it's been stripped of its leaves, but the stump is left. Then he sees him, Nebuchadnezzar sees himself homeless. He sees himself homeless. Living in Babylon, living in this palace, and now he is homeless. And he's living with these wild animals, and, and he's eating grass. I tried to do that with my dog one time. He died before he figured out how to eat grass. Y'all get that later. It's, it's mean, I know. 
So he sees himself homeless, living uh, with these wild animals, and he has been given this mind of an animal for seven years. God gave him that. Remember, that's, that's the perfect number right there, seven years. So he is living in the wilderness as an animal, eating grass for seven years. So Daniel, again, he comes and he interprets this dream for him. And he warns him, he says, if you don't repent, and if you don't repent and give the glory to God, none of, you, uh, none of this will happen, and your uh, prosperity will continue. If you just repent, that's all he ever asks, ain't it? Ain't that all that God asks for us? It's just repent. When you mess up, just repent. What do we tell our kids when they mess up? Just say you're sorry. You mess up, just say you're sorry. That's what God wants from us. He says, when you mess up, when you sin, repent. Just say, I'm sorry, God. And God says, okay, that's all I need to hear. It's fine. Repent. That's repenting. Asking for forgiveness. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, he said, just say I'm sorry, just repent, and you can keep going on with life. But he doesn't. Nebuchadnezzar, he's got that pride, and that pride's in the way, and he didn't repent. And God is a God of his word. If you have never learned that, I hope you get it today. God is a God of his word. I've talked about it a lot. I read you some last week of some of the promises that he's made. He is a God of his word, and he will keep those. And so whatever was going on in Ebenezer's dream, and Daniel interpreted that and said, this is what you're going to have to do because God said so. When you don't do it, God's going to make things, uh, he's going to make things happen the way that he sees fit, the way that he wants it to happen. So from this story, I want us to learn about uh, from Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, what pride is all about. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and stand and stretch with me just a second. Daniel 4, 28. Daniel 4, 28. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Jerry, will you open us up this morning, please? Amen. I can have a seat. So I want to give you the definition real quick of 
pride. Pride. A high opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing or conduct. Pride. It's a high opinion of one's dignity. It's a high opinion of oneself. Pride. You ever been prideful? Yes. You can't sit here this morning and tell me that you ain't been had some pride about you. You've done something in your life. You have done something that maybe someone said you couldn't do, and you get a little pride. What happens when you get a little bit of pride? Sometimes you get a little arrogant when you get that pride. And sometimes you got to get knocked down a, not, a rung or two or a notch or two and get rid of that pride. But we have pride. Every one of us has had a bout of pride in our lives, and you know what happens when you get prideful. It's a long fall down, ain't it? Sometimes you hit every rung on the way down. So we're going to look at four things this morning about pride. Number one, pride is seeing us as more important because of our accomplishments or our gifts. Do you feel like you're more important than the next person because of what you have? Do you feel like you are more important than your neighbor because you might have a nicer home or a nicer vehicle or make a little more money than they do? If you feel like you are better than your neighbor, you have pride. You have pride. Think about your neighbor. Think about what you have. Think about things that you've thought about, about your neighbor. You don't have to answer it. Just think about it. Look at verse 30 one more time. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? For the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. Boy, he's pretty arrogant, ain't he? We call that conceited. That's what he is. I used to work with the guy when I was at the police department. One of the most conceited men I've ever worked with in my life. It was always about him. Nebuchadnezzar, same way. It's always about him. It is I. It is me. It is my. It's not what God done. It's not what anyone else done. It's about Nebuchadnezzar. And it's about what he done. That's pride. That's arrogance. He was certainly full of himself. And he had a very high opinion of himself. And that's what pride is, having a high opinion of yourself. So he was full of it. Literally, he was full of it. Pride and whatever else might be in him. He was just full of it. Now, it's possible, if you go back and you look at chapter 3, that that statue that he built back in chapter 3, there's a strong chance that that statue was of himself. Don't know it. Nobody's ever verified it. We don't know. We won't know this side of heaven probably. But chapter 3 says there was a statue built, and I'd almost say that it was he was so full of pride that he built that statue to look like himself. I don't know, though. Now, it seems that Nebuchadnezzar gets the, the wrong point from that vision God sends him in chapter 2. And we won't go back and read chapter 2. You need to read the whole thing. But in great Nebuchadnezzar ways, he, he gets the wrong vision, the wrong point of what God's trying to tell him. This message that God allows or causes nations to rise up, but ultimately they will all have to submit to him. It's completely lost. Because he's so arrogant. He has so much pride right here. All he seems to remember is that he was the head of gold. That's all he could think about. The head of gold. That was him. And the king, the fact that he was king over many kings. So again, he was conceited. He was so just ingrained in himself that he just forgot about what God was trying to tell him because it became all about him. All about Nebuchadnezzar. It was all about what he 
was doing and all what was made of him, that gold head and all. So he lost the point of what God was trying to tell him. And it seems to me like Nebuchadnezzar here was more like the cat than the dog. Pet that cat, he thinks he is God. That's, again, that's the way I feel about cats. That they feel like they are the God. Nebuchadnezzar thought that he was that God. Now, we might not be the king or queen of this vast empire like Nebuchadnezzar was, but we can be guilty of pride just like he was. We, we may not be living in a mansion or a castle or own thousands and thousands of acres of land and have a bunch of servants and, and everybody working for us, but we can still have pride. We can still be a prideful people. And I believe every now and then we become prideful individuals. I believe we become prideful churches. I believe we become prideful communities. I believe we've been a prideful nation a time or two as well. And when we become that prideful, when we become that proud in the bad way, we're going to take a hit. We're going to take a fall. We're going to get a black eye. We're going to get our tail busted. That's what's going to happen. Y'all remember that growing up. You remember what happens when you get a little proud and you get a little too full of yourself. You get knocked down a rung or two. You might have got your tail busted by your parents, but more than likely it was your friend blacking your eye because you, <laughs> you got a little too proud. But we get like that. We don't have to be like a king and own all this stuff to be full of pride. We can still be who we are and be full of pride too and not in a good way. We can be proud of our accomplishments, our gifts, our, our position. We can be proud of our authority. We can be. But again, there's a difference being, between being proud and having pride. I'm proud to pastor. I'm proud of the church. I'm not full of pride. It's not arrogance. I'm proud of what we do. That's, that's being proud of, of this and, and proud of what we got going on. You can be proud of your children for what they're doing. But you can be softball parent pride, <laughs> and that ain't good. <laughs> that gets you kicked out of ball games. You got to be careful with that kind of pride. <laughs> be careful. There's a, a story of, I don't know if it's true or not, but I thought it was good, of a, a Texas cowboy, Texas rancher. And he's at a, some type of meeting with a bunch of different farmers, and he met a dairy farmer from Wisconsin. And they got to striking up a conversation, and that dairy farmer from Wisconsin, he said, got 125 acres and some best pasture and he said I raised some of the best uh, milk cows in the world and old cowboy from Texas he just laughed the old rancher laughed and he said <laughs> 125 acres he says back home he said I get in my truck at sunrise and he said I can drive all day and never get to the fence and that old Wisconsin farmer he just kind of laughed he said yeah I used to have a truck like that too it was a Ford, Mike. I'm just going to throw it out there. That's pride. We become prideful. We think we have the best of the best. We think we're better than others, but we're not. Pride is saying I'm better than you. That's what pride does. That's me saying I'm better. I might as well just go up to Nat and say, Nat, I'm better than you. That, that's pride. That, that's exactly, I mean, that's just being blunt. I'm better than you. We might not say it quite like that, but that's what, we're, that's what we're saying is, I'm just better than you. And uh, I was reading this, it says the comparison is at the heart of a prideful heart. Comparison is at the heart of a prideful heart. When you compare 
what you have to what others have, and then you, you, you gloat about it, that's pride. That's pride. My dog is better than your dog. My kid is better than your kid. My vehicle is better than your vehicle. That's pride. When you start comparing the things that you have to what others have, that's pride. We've got to be careful with that. Number two, pride is being more interested in doing better than others than in doing, just doing it. Pride is being more interested in doing better than others than in just doing it. We have to be careful with that. We've got to be extremely careful with that one. There was, I know I've told y'all, but it just fell right in here. And I just got to tell you again, y'all remember the duck, the two ducks and the frog? Remember that story? Two ducks and the frog were friends. They played all summer. They had them a good time all summer, and it got to be winter. The pond was drying up. Ducks had to fly and find more water, but they was concerned about their little friend, the frog. So they said, how are we going to get him out of here? We can fly and go to another pond, but this frog can't fly. How are we going to get him there? Well, they come up with an idea. They were going to get a stick, and that one duck was going to hold one end of the stick, and the other duck's going to hold the other end of the stick, and that frog was going to just wrap his tongue around it, and they were going to take off flying, and they were going to carry that uh, frog with them to the next pond. Great idea from the two ducks. Great idea. Frog wraps his tongue on that stick, and they take off flying. As they get up a little bit over a, a farm, that farmer looks over his wife and says, Look at that. What a great idea. I wonder whose idea that was. To carry that frog to the next pond. And the next thing you hear is me. The frog took responsibility for that idea. Even though the ducks came up with it, the frog, the frog wanted to take the honors of that one and said that was my idea. He fell, hit the ground, killed him. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. No pun intended on that, by the way. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Pride is being more interested in doing better than others than just doing it. Now, in sports... We want to be better. We want to be the best player, don't we? That's, that's our goal in playing. We want to be the best, especially those that are in high school, because you have scouts watching you. you got people watching what you do. Um, I was talking to was it Dustin Hicks. Yeah, we, st- uh, we had a little shindig for our neighbors yesterday. had a housewarming party, and we were talking about that, and he was talking about how he was going to get to college. His parents were saying, well, we can't afford to send him to college. And he said, that's why I'm being so athletic. That's why he's playing all these sports, because he's trying to get a full ride somewhere. So we want to outdo the next person, because we want to be the first in line to get that scholarship. Well, pride can do that to you. Pride can make you want to outdo others. Instead of just doing the job yourself, instead of just uh, doing the best for you, you're trying to outdo everybody else. Don't, we can't be out doing everybody else, especially in our churches. We can't try to be out doing one another in our churches. Same team. Same team. We are the same team right now. Nothing drives me any crazier than to see churches compete against one another because they're in it for the nickels and noses. They ain't in it for the glory of God. You've got to be very cautious about that. When you become a competitive church against the churches up and down the road because you want to try to get more people, 
you wait for that church split, and then you're like a vulture waiting to get a hold of some fresh meat. That's pride. It'll happen. God will send them where he wants them to be. They will find their niche. They'll find their, their new church. But don't be like a vulture trying to, to dig them out. We can't be competitive inside our churches either and try to outdo one another. I see it more as you probably know what I'm talking about. The fire department. You, you, it's always whenever you're election, usually about two months right before officer elections, that's when, that's when it all happens. That's when everybody starts showing their tail. That's when pride comes out. Can't do that. Can't be like that. Nebuchadnezzar was so proud that Babylon was the greatest nation in the world. But he was proud of it because he said that he did it. That he did it. Not anyone else, but it was all about him. Number three, the ultimate expression of pride is to think we can do without God. Now, this is, this is dangerous right here. When we think we can do without God. Look at verse 30 one more time. It says, The king spake and said, Is it not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Pride saying, I don't need you, God. That's pride. That's stupidity, too. But that's pride. When you say, I don't need God. I can do it on my own. I am good enough just as I am. I don't need Jesus to get to heaven. I can do it on my own. That's pride. That's dangerous pride. That is stupidity. And that will send you straight to hell. When you think that you can do anything on your own without Jesus, without God's help, you are in big old trouble. And you will split hell wide open if you can think that you can get to heaven on your own merit, on your own doings, without his help. He plainly tells us that no man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man, no woman, no one can get to heaven but by Jesus, but by the blood. No person. So when you think that you can do good works here on earth, when you think that you can just be the best person that you can be, when you think that you can get yourself to heaven by throwing an extra couple of dollars in the offering plate or buying a meal for a homeless guy at McDonald's, then you're wrong. It don't work that way. It is only by the blood of Jesus that we get to heaven. It is by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how we get to heaven. It's relationship, not religion. Too many people have made money their religion. They have made their own religions. It's about what they can do. It's not about what he has done. They've missed it. They've missed the mark. They've missed the point. They have no clue what they're getting into. They'll find out really fast. It's hot where they're going. They've messed up. That's pride. The ultimate expression of pride is to think that we can do without God. Proverbs 14, uh, 1 tells us, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Nebuchadnezzar he said it in his mind that he was the one who, was, who had built Babylon. In his mind, it was all about him. How many times have we read verse 30 so far? My, my, I. It's all about him. All about what he does. 
Nebuchadnezzar said it in his mind that he was the one who built that great Babylon by his own strength, by his own power. Let me tell you a little something. There are pastors like that. I built this church from the ground up. This church was struggling when I got here. We had three members at this church till I got here. We didn't have anything till I got here. That's what you hear. That ain't going. That ain't going to fly very long. That ain't going. I'm sure y'all have heard it. Y'all. I'm, I'm sure everybody's probably heard at least one pastor talk like that. That's dangerous business right there. But there's Christians like that too. I got where I'm at on my own. I got what I have on my own. I never seen God. I didn't see God out there in the hot sun while I was suffering and sweating and tolling out here with a hoe or a rake or a backhoe or whatever else. I never seen God out here. You believe Christians would say that? I don't believe a true Christian would say that. But people that claim to be a Christian say that a lot. It's because of what I did. God never showed up. You're going to regret that. You just missed you a blessing right there. They say that they worked so hard for what they have. I've worked my fingers off for what I have. It's all about what I did to get this. I deserve all that I have because of what I've done. That is dangerous. Then you better stop and think about what you just said. Anybody that says that they've done it on their own, better stop and think just a second about who provided for them, who actually gave that to them. Proverbs 6.16 says, these, th these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth the scourge among brethren. A proud look. God does not, it doesn't say he, he doesn't like it. The Bible says the Lord hate. The Lord hate. Yes, I said that last week. Paisley says that's a strong word and I'm supposed to be using dislike. But the Bible plainly tells us God doesn't just dislike it. God hates it. God hates pride. You can't do anything without God enabling you to work to make that money to buy. You can't. You can't do anything. Jesus plainly tells us over in John 15, 15, 15, 5 or 15, whatever, John 15 something. Jesus tells us, for without me, you can do nothing. For without Jesus, you can't do squat. We need Jesus in our lives to be able to provide to do what we need to do in our lives to provide for our families, for our churches, for our communities, for ourselves. We have to have Jesus or it ain't going to happen. What gets me, this is what I like about having Jesus to help me do what I need to get done. He blesses me. And you can't outgive God. I hear my dad, bless his heart, every time me and dad get together, no matter what we're doing, at some point, He's going to tell me just how good God is, and it tickles me to death. And then he's going to tell me at some point in our conversation that you can't outgive God. I love to hear that. I don't hear that enough. I love to hear somebody say, you can't outgive God. No matter what you're doing in this life, 
whatever, however he is helping provide for you by work or whatever. But for you to be able to give back to God or give back to his people, and I'm talking left hand, right hand here. I'm, I, you, people don't need to know what you're doing. You don't have to brag about what you're doing. The blessings that come from that, that's worth it all. To see God bless you by giving you a little bit more than what you already had because you gave, you gave some away. You gave what you could away to someone else. That is worth it all. I love those little blessings on the side. I love it when God steps up and says, thank you. That, that's, that's, that's God's way of saying thank you is just by blessing you. Now, it may not be like the prosperity gospels are preaching right now. He may not bless you with a multi-million dollar house and you know all this fine stuff. But you know what? He'll bless you in a way that, that you need it. By an extra little bit in your paycheck or some food along the way. Something. He's going to bless you for it. Number four. Either we humble ourselves or God will do it for us. Mm, that's the last one right here. We're going to stop on it. Look back over at verse 31 and 32. It says, While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomever he will. That last sentence right there is what, what I'm talking about. Either you figure out you're full of pride, and you fix it yourself, or God's going to do it for you. And God will do it for you if you don't hurry up and get it fixed quick. So the last point right here is both a warning and an encouragement. A warning and an encouragement. And I want you to listen to this, all right? For warning right here, it's because if we act with too much pride, then we will be brought down. If we act with too much pride, we will be brought down. And it's a long, hard fall. What is it they say in construction about the fall? It ain't the fall that hurts. It's that sudden stop at the end. Yep, it's that sudden stop. Boom. When you get stopped, it hurts. Same with pride. You're going to fall. And it hurts when you get to the bottom. You lose friends. You lose yourself. You lose respect. You lose a lot of things when you fall from pride. But it's an encouragement, too, because God doesn't leave us in our sins. He does all he can to help us recognize what we have done, and he helps us conquer that. He helps us get over that. He helps us. He forgives us. And then he's going to give us a way out. He's going to say, I'm going to clear a path for you. You're going to have to go down this path and get things right. You're going to have to make amends with that brother or that sister that you have offended or that, that group of people, whatever it might be. But here's your way out, and he's going to forgive us. That's what he wants to do. He wants us to be forgiven, and he wants us to do better because we are his children. We're his children. We're his kids. That's what we want from our kids is for them to do the best they can, for them to do better. All we ask, do your best. 
God is saying the same thing to us as his children. Do your best. Don't be so full of pride. Do your best. Clean up a little bit. Like any good parent, God understands that sometimes children have to be taught a lesson. I don't like, I don't like, well, growing up, I really didn't like those lessons that I was being taught because I was being taught with a switch <laughs> or a belt or a hand, whatever was around. That, those were hard lessons to learn. Uh, God ain't going to switch us. He ain't going to take his belt off and, and whoop us with it. Although sometimes I think we need it. I know I've needed it several times. But God wants to teach his children a lesson. He wants us to remember how we should act, how we should be, who we are representing. You ever think about that? Who you're representing? You know, as children, we're kind of representing our families. Growing up, it made me so mad to be considered or called Franklin's grandson. That and to, I still don't like it, but but for me to be referred to Franklin's grandson, I don't. I didn't want that. That's my dad's dad. I didn't want that Franklin's grandson. But then I realized that he had almost set a standard, set a bar so high that I didn't think I'd ever meet it because of his reputation in the community as a meat processor and as a, as a bee guy. My grandpa had a pretty good reputation. And then I got a little bit older, and that went from being Franklin's grandson to your Kenny's son. Again, that bar was really high for me because of my dad's reputation in the meat processing business. And now I get to hear things like, so Kenny's your dad? Franklin's your grandpa? Yeah. And, and again, this is not the wrong kind of pride. This is kind of a, and I'm proud of my heritage. I'm proud of, of my family. And I'm old enough now to look back and think, wow, th those men done some great things in the community. And I'm a part of that because of who we are. You know, we, we look at, at these at this image that we portray as our, uh, from our family. You know, people are seeing us. And it's the same thing in our churches. You go, to, you go to Chestnut Dale, wow, that's great. You work for who? That's awesome. You know, we, people look at us, and, and we, we reflect an image back of whoever we're representing. So, you know, my girls are representing not just me and Maria, but another a lineage. You know, they're representing... Our parents, both our sides, and then our grandparents. It tickles me. I was looking at some pictures the other day that I had in my office whenever, was it the Democrat, we're talking Democrat, came over to your mom's place, and Abby was sitting there holding pictures of Mac. You know, that's, that was three generations right there. Mac, had her grandpa had passed away. And I don't even remember why the Democrat was there doing the story. Oh, Blue Ridge, Okay. Well, more reputable than we're talking Democrat. But they were there doing this, this story about Mac and Wanda, and Abby was T-tiny there. She's probably four or five years old. I don't know, something like that. But she was holding this picture of Mac. And I, I looked at that picture the other day when I was studying for this, and I'm thinking, that's, that's an awesome image. That's a great image to have right there because Abby was representing the Townsend family so well, sitting there with her grandma. 
and Mac and his reputation and Reba's reputation up in Valley Cruces. So it was so neat. But we are I'm 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 chasing rabbits right now, but we are a reflection of of our family. We are a reflection of Jesus. People can't physically see Jesus, but they can see Jesus on us. So whatever we do in this world, we need to make sure we're doing it right, not be full of pride. Because if people see pride on us and arrogance on us, they're going to think that's who Jesus is. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Jesus ain't an arrogant person. Jesus ain't full of himself. Jesus ain't a prideful person like we're, th- we're talking about tonight, today. Don't let people look at us and think that's who Jesus is because that's the wrong image. Get rid of that pride, whatever's in your life. And I'll sum it up for you just like this. We will be humbled one of two ways. We can, be, we can humble ourselves or God's going to humble us. You can humble yourself or God will do it for you. Don't let him. I'll tell you from experience. Let me assure you this. It's far less painful, painful to, to humble yourself than to let God do it. If you know you've got pride, if you know you're a prideful person, if you know that you've got some arrogance going about you right now, humble yourself pretty quick because God's going to do it for you if you don't hurry. Humble yourself before he does it. This morning we're going to close out with this. If your heart and mind are convinced that you can live with pride, if you've convinced yourself that being a prideful person is okay, then you've convinced yourself wrongly. If you feel like you are a prideful person, if you can say, I'm better than my neighbor, I'm better off than my neighbor, I'm better than so-and-so down the road, my whatever I've got is better or nicer than anybody else's, then you've got pride. And as Jesus is telling us, as, as Daniel has said right here, and just like Nebuchadnezzar, we've got to get that out of our lives. You cannot be a prideful person like Nebuchadnezzar was and manage to be a, a what's the word I want to say? Just be a Christian. Just be a representative of Jesus Christ if you've got pride in your life. Spit out your pride. Don't swallow it. Spit your pride out. Get rid of it. Taint your body. I'll always say that. It's one of the greatest quotes from my pastor. But I truly believe it. Spit that pride out. Don't swallow it. It will taint your body. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Forgive you of your pridefulness. Clean you up. And use you in a good way. Stand with me. We're going to close out. I don't want to see anybody in here eating grass this week for the next seven years. I don't want you coming in here with your hair all matted together like Nebuchadnezzar. That means that you got pride. But be careful. Be careful with yourself. Be careful with the, how you, you carry yourself and the things that you say and do. Just remember, we're, we're ambassadors of Jesus down here. We're his hands and feet here on earth. And so we've got to have a good image for him. Because we can run people off if we say and do the wrong things. And they think that that is representative, uh, representative of Jesus. Don't want to run nobody off. We want to bring them to him. Be good stewards. Jonathan, will you close us out, please?
Amen. All right, we will see you guys in the morning, I guess, online.